Welcome to episode 561 of Troubadours and Tours with yours truly, E.W. Conundrum Demure. On this week's episode, we feature a wonderful conversation with anthropologist and activist researcher, spoken word artist, Louise Romaine. Louise talks with us from her place in Stroud in the southwest of England about her background, Copenhagen, Denmark, France, Berlin, cultural revitalization of First Nations, lingering in academia, climate change, wonder and curiosity, ancient traditions and wisdom, being born into privilege, being a part of nature, beautiful human culture, loving fungi, decomposing capitalism and the patriarchy, ecoacoustics. She reads a spoken word piece titled, Listen to Us. We also discuss wasted potential of humanity and the rewilding of our ears, among other things. As I said, a wonderful conversation with Louise Romaine this go-round. We also have an EW poetic piece titled, Pretty Fred. All of this, of course, will be infused, imbued, with the wonderful energy, wonderful is the word of the day, of several great tunes. It's so nice to be with you. Let's get to it then. Episode 561 of Troubadours and Rock-On Tours. Puis doucement s'écroule 
s'en fout du pan Te vois là maintenant qui t'enfuit Tirant ta révérence La forêt de nouveau frémit Je profite du silence Dans la forêt je te retrouve à l'heure opportune Un rendez-vous improvisé sous la lune Is that you? Yes. Good evening. How are you today over there in England? Yeah, I'm doing pretty well. Enjoying the transition from the late winter into spring. Great, great. Uh, we're not there yet, but uh, here in, in northeastern United States, but a little touch of spring today. It seems a little warmer than usual. Uh, it's it's so nice to be connecting with you across the pond, as we say, on uh, Troubadours and Rock on Tours. And before we get started, let me give the listeners a little background information. Louise Romain has trained as an anthropologist in Germany, Canada, and Denmark. She has been active as a campaigner for climate justice and indigenous rights since 2016, first by organizing mobilizations in Berlin in solidarity with Standing Rock, resisting the Dakota Access Pipeline. In 2023, she took a deep dive into the production of Immersive Sound Journeys, which she has been releasing as a podcast show titled Circle of Voices. Louise was born in France and has been living semi-nomadically in the past 10 years. She is now based in Stroud, which is in southwest England, where she is supporting the stewardship of a small community woodland. She feels committed to rekindle the ancestral ways of the British Isles. Troubadours and Tours is very excited to have on our program Louise Romain. Again, thank you for taking time out of your schedule to talk with us. Yeah, it's a pleasure to talk to you too, for sure. And uh, before... We get into deeper stuff. Why don't you share with everyone a little bit about your background so we know how you got to where you are today? Yeah, definitely. Um, so as you mentioned, I grew up in France. And when I turned 18, I decided to move to Berlin, Germany, to study anthropology. I had started a degree in law before that, but didn't really find myself there. And when I started studying anthropology, there was also an option to do languages at the German uni. So I felt really met by the structure and also by the, the topic itself. Um, and I 
kind of like lingered in academia for about seven years. I did a lot of student exchange and used the opportunity to travel to get also scholarships and well, I guess make the most of the of the anthropology topic to visit different cultures and discover different peoples. Um, and after doing my undergrad in Berlin, I then moved to Copenhagen in Denmark because they have a very unique program there called techno anthropology, which some people joke is like, oh, do you basically study people in nightclubs? And it's <laughs> not like that. Um, it's basically looking at the interactions between technologies and human societies uh, in a very, very broad way. And yeah, a very exciting study program. And basically between my undergrad and my master, I did this research project in Canada, in Quebec more specifically, looking at the cultural revitalization of First Nations, integrating different multimedia and digital practices. And so that carried me through my academic journey and once I graduated, I wanted to do more in what can be called engaged anthropology. So really bridging my emerging activism, which, as you mentioned, starting started with the solidarity protest around um, Dakota Access Pipeline and Standing Rock Nation. And so I kind of put some feelers into the NGO world. Um, yeah, and, and did kind of like first experiences while I was still in Denmark working for um, an organization called IFGIA, the International Working Group for Indigenous Affairs. And then the pandemic happened and a lot of plans kind of shifted um, in my personal and professional life, as for so many of us. Mm-hmm. And I ended up finding myself in England with my then partner at the time, in the place where I still am, which is a relatively small town, I would say, for like European standards, um, in the southwest country and being connected with this incredible campaign called Stop Ecocide Movement, where I then started working freelancing. And that took me on for a couple of years until 2022, where I felt like there was, um, again, maybe a window of possibility to start traveling again. And and I had the chance to go to COP26 in Glasgow mm-hmm. the year before that. And I felt really inspired to visit the front lines of extractivism and ecocide. And I received some invitations to visit people. So, yeah, I seized the opportunity. And in the summer of 2022, I hit the road again and did this journey across Canada and Brazil um, with my sound recorder, because that's something I was really curious to explore. I had done like photography and different video practices before that, but there were a lot of pools to just use the sound recorder. And so, yeah, I recorded sounds and stories. And since then, I've been back home and working on all of these beautiful materials and, yeah, seeing where that takes me. Oh, excellent. Fascinating, fascinating journey. And it seems to me you're just getting started. Um, You know, your accent, I hear French accent and I hear an English accent. It's a nice, uh, it's a nice synthesis. Yeah, it's a funny mix. Yeah, yeah, for sure. (laughs) Uh, So... This has been something you've been focusing on for, you know, it's at least 10, 15 years, right? I would say. Well, yeah, maybe, maybe 10. 10. I just, I just turned 30 a month ago. So yeah, 10 feels more honest. Yeah. Well, yeah. If you're not uh, Greta, <laughs> you didn't start that young, but uh, yes, it's, it's uh, a decade. And, you know, I'm wondering what 
makes you so interested in peoples of the First Nations, you know, uh, and climate science, climate change? What, why are you? Why do you think you're so compelled with these these uh, challenges, these issues in our society? Hmm. Well, I think one part of the answer has to do with my family and the way I was raised. Um, I think my dad is definitely, well, maybe he doesn't define himself as that, but he, I think he is definitely like a very ecologically minded person. And he took us on various trips and yeah, nature adventures when we were children with my sisters. And I think it kind of like gave me a sense of wonder and curiosity for the wider world, let's say, even though we like mostly traveled in France. And then as I turned into adulthood, we did more road trips yeah, in different European countries. Um, and then the kind of maybe inspiration I got from my mother is more in the creative sector. So she works as a seamstress and with textiles and is also a painter. So a lot of different creative medium. And I think it gave me... Well, creativity can be a door to so many things, but it's, I think it, most importantly, it's a door to like exploring what you feel passionate about and where your heart wants to go. And so, yeah, I think having this opportunity to study anthropology in Germany from, well, I guess quite a young age and feeling, just feeling, really feeling my ground there, I thought that was the direction I wanted to go into. And the relation between that and climate yeah, it's maybe not necessarily a straightforward one, um, but I think my growing understanding is that everything is interconnected and that there, you know, like cultural diversity is linked to biological diversity. And for me, what I've been learning from visiting indigenous communities and learning about ancient traditions and wisdoms is, is this beautiful weave between all that is living and so my curiosity has been growing for the more than human world or what I like to call like the multi-species. So like all of the all of the living beings that inhabit this beautiful earth. And then I feel like I was born in a place with a lot of privilege in terms of, you know, I never really had to worry about money. I could study wherever I wanted. Uh, I have a fully able body. So like a lot of things that that make me go and discover the things that I want to but it's also endowing me with a sense of responsibility for honoring yeah the this time and place and what what do I actually want to do with I don't know my existence I guess and and my knowledge and my curiosity so basically the answer is you're a really thoughtful uh kind, intelligent person, it seems to me. You know, you reflect on the world around you, your place in it, and uh, what you might be able to do as a person here and, you know, in, in the now. And I, I respect that. My, You know, I think that's the best way to, to exist as a person on this planet with that, especially when you have privilege, as you put it, you know, because we have the the time, right, and the energy and the means to, to, to do all of that sort of stuff rather than having to struggle just to, to stay alive. Um, so yeah, great. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. And again, my, my compliments, um, do, do you, uh, do you ever think about how anthropology sort of informs your, your work on climate justice? It sounds like it totally informs your sense of, 
you know, justice with regard to uh, indigenous folk or people of First Nations. That makes sense to me. Does it also, in a way, I guess because of the interconnectedness, it, it would. But can you explain more more so how it, it uh, does inform your work on climate justice, your your experience with anthropology? Mm, sure, yeah. So, yeah, it's funny because I feel like in most spaces I will still define myself first as an anthropologist. So it's, it's something that feels really very close to me and very cool to my identity or professional identity, but beyond that too. And I think it's interesting to come, for example, to environmental spaces with with the human in mind. So, like, because basically what's going on is that there is this insane split between nature and and humans that has been you know created since the enlightenment and all of the kind of ideological systems that at least the western world and then its wider global influence has been brewing and so for me this work is almost about like bridging the gap between this illusory separation and making people Make, making people curious about like what you know what can we learn from nature which is also a bit funny to say because we are an expression of nature mm-hmm. um, but yeah there is something about the, the the beauty of human cultures and and how much of that is reflected within within the natural world so exploring the connection between these two yeah well said, well said. And, uh, you know, when when we're uh, l- looking at all the challenges we face as a species, as you mentioned, uh, with regard to the natural environment, it is, a, a, as you put it, an insane split that we have created. We are part of nature, but the more we disconnect ourselves from it, I think the less... Uh, will well will function as individuals and the less obviously we will be in tune with what is uh, happening with the natural environment around us right Mm, totally yeah and there is so there is maybe one specific example i can give on like how i work with it is so i'm a huge fan of fungi and mushrooms i think they have so much to teach us in so many realms going from obviously medicine but also like using it as insulation for water filtration or cleaning toxic pollutants. Like it's just really, really beautiful. And so I've been thinking a lot these past few years about the decomposition and the and, and activating the composting process of some of the systems of harm and oppression that we live under. So for example, how does it how would it look like to to think and to act as mushroom or as mycelium more specifically to decompose capitalism or decompose patriarchy and then thinking about the way that Nate like for example mycelium is is all about this web right it's all about this this interconnectedness and sharing resources and making sure that the information and knowledge is passed on from a tree to a plant to water so that's that's maybe one way for me to like connect climate environmental topics with my human centered perspective and, and interest. I love it. Uh, and I, I'm fascinated. You mentioned uh, how we could use nature in particular, uh, fungi, mushrooms to understand how to decompose capitalism and the patriarchy. 
Did I hear yeah. that? How, how right. have you figured that out? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it's going to be a lifelong inquiry. <laughs> but I mean, what even has you making that sort of connection? Uh, do you think it's possible because of something in particular you you noticed or you you know you've uh, you you've found? Well, I don't know. I think it's part of this. I think it's for me. It's part of a belief system. Like so, I'm going to draw onto another story now. But just before starting this trip, I did across Canada and Brazil. Um, I went back to Berlin to visit some of my people, and I stood in front of the Berlin Wall. Or one of the remainder of it, which mm. is the east uh, east side gallery, this beautiful part of the wall, which is painted with graffitis and pieces of, of art, really. And I stood there and I was thinking about how for people back in the days when the wall was standing, it was, they probably never imagined the day when it would be like broken mm-hmm. and destroyed. So, and then it made me reflect on like, oh, we are taking for granted that the economic models will live under and the governance systems and you know a lot of the a lot of the norms that yeah we live under are are going to stay as is but first thing they haven't been around for that long in terms of our human history and then there is a lot of healthier and you know a lot more beautiful alternatives out there so there is this i don't know it's a sense of like curiosity for um, yeah, like other alternatives, and I believe a lot, and I'm a firm supporter of the imagination movement and imagination activism, which is something I heard from Phoebe Tickle, who is um, based here in the UK, and another incredible author called Rob Hopkins, who talk about this this power of imagination and almost the duty to imagine better futures. But then there is also the maybe the the re- rebellious and activist side of me, which is about like actively dismantling yeah these systems of power and so how can we build allyship with nature beings such as mushroom to like inspire us to do that i love it i love it and you know when i when i hear this and i i I believe you and i agree with you that you have to imagine something first that's where it starts and then you can make it real you have more of a chance of course right um to figure it out once you're inspired by this this sense of something, and you know where you are and the the folks that you work with and the things that you focus on, uh, I'm sure the same sort of ideas set of ideas and, and the energy and the mentality are there. But the larger world, you look at capitalism, you look at patriarchal uh, hierarchies. And how embedded they are at present, even though, as you said, they well, the patriarchy, perhaps, but the capitalism part is new, relatively. Um, how how daunting do you think or do you feel it, it is to to break those things down and rebuild something better? Mm. Massively. I mean, uh, yeah, and like massively daunting and also I think I need to acknowledge that I have a lot of comfort and I benefited a lot from capitalism like my people and my country France and all of the way it's intricated with the colonial system um, so it feels a bit hypocritical for me to just criticize it without acknowledging that yeah I am a huge beneficiary of it and at the same time it's also 
maybe pushing me even more to to criticize it and to think about ways to dismantle it. But I think part of the process is is this like mm, grieving what you know what is like what is being destroyed and and the loss of biodiversity and the natural world and like you know the existence we wish to give to future generations for example but also grieving that like that's something I think a lot quite often like all of the wasted potential of humanity and the way that for example money is funneled in well maybe yeah I would say the wrong ways or at least the ways that aren't you know benefiting most people just it is mostly for the profit of very few but it's like I don't know I guess I'm my friends call me like um, a stubborn optimist in the sense that it's I don't feel like it's not because there is this huge mountain that you shouldn't stop climbing it you know it's like I, I think as long as you feel with us like you feel part of a solid crew and you're yeah you you're, you're go walking with purpose then it's just about kind of like doing it step by step and also trusting that yeah that things will somehow work the way they should uh louise i i, I love it and again i i'm asking these questions just to clarify for listeners and for yourself too not to criticize where you're coming from but i because i'm with you Everything you say is inspiring to me, and I've thought and of my myself to a certain extent in a certain way, and have read about following, and I'm interested in. But I am daunted myself, you know. And and I, it's it seems I I actually teach a, a course in environmental studies, introduction to environmental studies, uh, in college, and I see these young people who are very intelligent people, so much potential, and most of them having a clue about what we're talking about at all and when we start talking about these same sort of issues they're they're taken aback and 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 they all seem overwhelmed you know by the the what actually has occurred and how we are where we you know who we are and how we got here so i don't know i i i'm not as um i guess inspired by the possibilities though i love them as you are and i'm happy you are <laughs> Yeah, fair enough. I think, yeah, there is just, it's a massive challenge, you know, I'm not going to lie and I don't want to paint it with like pink and rainbow colors either. It's like maybe it's also my survival mechanism to actually, you know, to actually believe it is possible and and that there is a better future ahead of us. Well, you know, I, I think it's partly age too. Like I, I'm 57, you're 30, not even yet, right? So... When I was 30, I probably had more of the energy you're sharing and you have right now. And at 57, uh, some of it has, has gone, you know. Uh, and that's all right, I think. You know, there are phases in life that people go through. We need folks who are coming up who have more energy to push people who have been around for a while or to take the, to take the, the baton, so to speak, and, and, and continue on. That's, that's civilization, right? Absolutely, yeah. Excellent. Excellent. And one of the things that you do that I found interesting here is uh, the circle of voices. And uh, you, do you want to talk about that a bit? Yeah, sure. I'd love to. So this name, Circle of Voices, it actually started as my research project, the one I mentioned I did in Canada. So if you go on circleofvoices.com, you will land on that 
uh, multimedia ethnographic research website, which kind of goes through the different topic of cultural revitalization and there's a whole exploration going on there. But basically what happened is that I kept this name with me and I've been shifting it into the different areas that I'm now working on. And the main thing that I feel really passionate about these days is creating immersive sound journeys with the idea to bring together stories from people, but also atmospheric recordings and sounds from nature. And so for me, this this idea of a circle of voices is really to bring together human and more than human voices and to create sonic journeys to dream deeper into possible and desirable futures especially as we are talking about in we are living through times of collapse and crisis so there is a lot there's a lot of trigger points and there is a lot of thoughts that seem unbearable and yet so like for, for example one of the thing i learned on my trip which is part of the circle of voices project um, both in Brazil and Canada actually was learning from cultures and peoples who have already experienced the end of the world. And, you know, I'm talking about communities who've gone through slavery and genocide and extermination policies. And yet, you know, they are still here and the resilience is, yeah, is super inspiring to me. And so that, that, that's been one of my inquiry, like how, how can some of these teachings be translated to my culture and my people as we are grappling with the poly crisis, as it's called, you know, both like the ecological and climate collapse, but also there is a lot of challenges, at least in Europe, but also in other parts of the world with, you know, um, extreme right movements and, um, yeah, different shades of all of, of this political governance systems. So, yeah, for me, it's like, kind of like navigating these different narratives and so that's all of the kind of like human side of things and then the other nature side that I've been incredibly excited about especially in the past few months so there is already established scientific domains which are called ecoacoustics and bioacoustics which are basically research on sounds from the environment or sounds of specific species and there is now a growing practice of using artificial intelligence and all the different digital media and tools that we have at our disposal together with, for example, indigenous knowledge or scientific practice to actually better understand the language of different species. And I'm reading this book at the moment, which is called The Sounds of Life by Canadian author called Karen Baker. And she talks about all of these different species that are being studied and, and, and this breakthrough research that is coming that is coming out into the world. And so it's so my inquiry at the moment with Circle of Voices is like, okay, how how to bridge together these frontline voices and these stories of resistance and resilience together with sounds from nature and like deeply listening to what the natural world has to say and and also because we do spend more and more time indoors so it's like an invitation for people to listen to nature but still while being you know from the comfort of their homes so to say uh, yeah it sounds like a nice opportunity for people um to to s sort of connect with something that otherwise they might not uh and i'm wondering if 
if you are willing to share any any uh, spoken word coming up in a bit. I know that's something big for you. Uh, do, do you have um, any pieces nearby that you could share with us? Yeah, for sure. That'd be a pleasure. So, yeah, spoken word is, is something I... Oh, how can I say it? I don't do it a lot, but it just... When it comes, it just floods through my being, and then the peace comes within... A few days if not a few hours um, and this one I'm gonna share with you has actually an Italian title it's called Ascoltaci which means listen to us because I wrote it um, last autumn when I was taking part in this conference in the Swiss Italian mountains which was all about the topics I've shared just before so ecoacoustics and bioacoustics and listening to the natural world Excellent. And yeah, I woke up at 2 a.m. after the first day of the conference because of, anyway, I was so inspired and this poem kind of flooded through me. So yeah, here we are. <laughs> yeah, I'd love to hear it. Cool. Ascoltaci. Listening with our hearts wide open. We are here to dream of sonic futures with a reverence for life. We are here to reimagine the rewilding of our ears. We are here to get lost in soundscapes, yet to find each other. Streaming from different localities, we embarked on a quest, seeking the humming of the land, the hissing of the skies, and the clicking in the waters. In our rush for bird songs going extinct, so much quicker than we can grasp, we hush, trying to make sense of the evermore silence of our biosphere, while our everyday seems to get louder and louder. The storms we play on tape echo the cataclysmic challenges of our times. Meanwhile, our clever machines try to capture what defies our hearing range. The ultra, the infra, the invisible, the beyond, the below and the between. We have even designed artificial intelligences that are starting to decode the languages of bees and bats. Our cables plugged into secretive mycelium and our hydrophones intruding rock pools and ponds we are the gifted curators of the polyphony of our mother. Yet, as a species, we have created so much noise that we can't seem to truly listen when her children scream and cry and die. But some of us do. Those who haven't let go of a sense of wonder for this beautiful and complex world. Those of us who pay attention to frequencies and vibrations. Those of us who attempt to make the planet's gentlest voices heard despite our physical limitations. And so our dreams grow bigger and our acoustic calls reach further. We listen, we listen, we listen. What do you hear, child of the earth? Mm. Louise Romaine, with a piece she wrote titled 
I'll give the English title, Listen to Us. Thank you, Louise. Mm, that was beautiful. Very beautiful. Um, whew, I'm still processing it. Uh, <laughs> That's good. Yeah, yeah. Um, so if, if folks want to hear Circle of Voices or if they want to hear some more, I don't know if you're also sharing your spoken word pieces there. Uh, they just need to type in Circle of Voices for one. Any Anything else? Any other sites you'd like to share? Yeah, for sure. You can find the show on Spotify. I will upload it on Apple Podcasts in the coming future. And otherwise, my website is called tuneintotheworld.com. So you can find all the links there as well. Excellent. And uh, anthropologist, activist, researcher, poet, among other things, sounds to me like a really good, solid human being. Louise Romain here on Troubadours and Rock on Tours, talking with us from her place in Stroud in the southwest of England. So let's see what else we have here. We have about uh, nine minutes or so to go. I, I'd like uh, to give you an opportunity to answer this question because, and you know, I know I, I send you questions, but I ask uh, things that just pop into my head. What, I mean, your, your goals and the things that are in, of interest to you, um, with regard to what you'd like to, to to focus your energy and your intelligence on in your lifetime are daunting, as we already uh, identified. What what do you think is the biggest challenge to reach our fellow human beings here on this planet so that a greater number of us, a plurality of us, can can cooperate uh, in the in these areas that you're so interested in to make this a better Place. I agree with you. We need to make. We need a lot of work to be done to make it better. How, how do you? How do you think we could connect all of us? Nice, simple question there. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, what's coming to mind is something about working on this divide between the human and the nature side of us and I think one way to do that is is to connect with playfulness and maybe like our inner child is another way to say it and I think there is a lot of creative practices out there that that can nudge us towards that one of the thing I do in my life here in England is something called fooling which is kind of at the intersection of um, clowning uh, improv theater and therapy so it has a very healing side to it because you're it's basically showing up uh on kind of on a stage in front of an audience with whatever is present in the moment so sometimes there is different sides of you but there is also this this opportunity for playfulness and i think we we tend to be in in, in places in society where there is a lot of pressure and responsibility put on us. And it's something that children are so good at doing is actually being nature and being so connected to their senses and to, you know, where their heart wants to take them and their creativity. So I feel like there is maybe room for more play in adulthood. Um, and like, yeah, different avenues to get there. And then there's also this thing about that I'm thinking of like 
I mean, it's fairly simple, but spending more time in nature and actually committing more to to like being outside, which is a bit of a funny thing as well, this kind of like, you know, indoors, outdoors kind of separation. Mm. Um, but yeah, this, this like, I think we all have, I mean, this, it's really well known, right? All the incredible benefits for like mental and physical health that you have for spending time outdoors. And for example, there is a campaign going on in, in the UK at the moment. It's been going on for a few years called Right to Rome because over like 97 I think or 96% of the land is not publicly accessible in England wow so yeah it's 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 crazy it is so so there is a lot and it's funny because in um just over the border in Scotland it's the complete opposite look you're you're allowed to go anywhere you please so one of the kind of narrative of this campaign is to say like dismantle the idea that humans are going into nature to pollute it or to destroy it but actually act as guardians and as stewards of the place and the only way you're going to be able to register what's happening around you is if you go out and spend time in that environment so yeah it feels like two fairly accessible things and it's also like i understand that a lot of people you know live in an urban context and don't have access to like a beautiful river or mountains or stuff like this. But again, I think there is, is like, why, why does it have to be so big? You know, there is a lot of beauty in the small things. So being able to connect with the birds in your neighborhood or, you know, the small dandelion that are growing through the pavement. Like there is so many expressions of it. I think it's about the the intention of connecting with the natural world around you and with that playfulness. Nicely said. And I, I wouldn't go so far as, as to uh, say that an urban environment is a diverse ecosystem in its own way, right? I mean, Jane Jacobs, uh, I don't know if you know of her, but she is a sort of an urban planning guru here in the United States. And she always looked at the the urban uh, neighborhood as as a vibrant, diverse, diverse ecosystem, interconnected and beautiful and strong. Mm-hmm. And so you have that too, in a way. You just have to get out of the house, basically, is what we're saying. Get off your couch, right, or whatever, and walk around and get, and connect with the outside world. That might be a way. Absolutely, and it's again, it's really tricky. Like I'm, you know, some days I don't really get out of my screen world, and I, you know, we are glued to our phones or to our computers. There are so many enticing things happening through the digital world, but I think it's about that, it, almost seeing it as an act of prayer, of like committing to, to staying curious, to staying engaged with what's happening around you. Nicely said, Louise Romain here on Troubadours and Rock On Tours. And uh, we have just several minutes to go. And, uh, you know, oftentimes I like to give the guests an opportunity to reflect, to share something with with the listeners that uh, you think would be poignant, you think that would be valuable. So if you want to do that, if not, I can ask you another question. I don't have anything coming to mind. The thing i could do is read another spoken word piece i wrote while in new york oh yeah um, you mentioned that to me yeah 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 you mentioned that to me in an email i'd love to hear that and 
and maybe we could fade out on that. And I, I want to let you know, Louise, that I probably am going to, I'm definitely going to be asking you to be on again, because this realm of thought is very important to me, and I like to represent this on the program. And uh, so if you're, in, if you're interested, I will be contacting you again to come back on, and we could focus on a particular issue or project that you're working on uh, in, in those conversations, if you like, or whatever you want, really. Yeah, that sounds brilliant. I would love that. Absolutely. Excellent. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. Thank you. So, yeah, share the spoken word piece that you wrote in New York, if you would. Awesome. So this one is called From Manhattan to Samoa in the Blink of an Eye. And it was inspired to me after attending the New York Climate Week, which happened, well, it happens every year, but the latest one is September. And yeah, here we go. If someday you find yourself far from home, you may be lucky to cross paths with an old soul, someone so pure that your heart sees right through them and its shine is as bright as you can reflect it. We meet our kin in the most fortunate of places, like that Saturday evening on a rooftop in Lower Manhattan, longing for the end of the fossil fuels era and doing everything we can to make it a just transition. Dreaming of a different world where our seas won't rise and our forests won't burn like the predictions tell us to. Celebrating the victories that make us stand together, withstanding greed, apathy and inaction. We meet our kin in the most alien of places. Like that Monday afternoon, drinking coffee at the heart of Times Square, surrounded by billboards too big for the eyes and buildings so tall that we call them skyscrapers. This greed of streets enforces isolation upon us, but that constant drizzly rain reminds me of oneness, reminds me that sacred water falls on us all. You see, kinship is relational, and so to bond we do that thing that humans do best. We share stories. For a moment, we evade this concrete jungle and we journey to woodlands and islands where the trees are elders and the ocean is full of wonders, where we hold the land in respect and it holds us back. We may be born from different soils, yet in the busyness of this here, the sights, the sounds, the smells, I see you and you see me. A fossilized shell traveled from my valley to my hand, to your hand, to your shore. And you'll carry to your daughter the sweet scent of lavender that I brought from my grandmother. We may live oceans apart, but right now we both find ourselves on Lenape Hokin a land held in guardianship until the times where the old mycelium network got replaced by cables, wires, and rails. I thank you, Atua, for carrying you safely across the seas, and I acknowledge my ancestors for the blessing of this life. May we journey back to our territories and our people, 
with a greater sense of possibility and may our hearts be even more full of love. And maybe someday, if we are lucky, I'll be guided to your coastline or you to mine and we'll continue weaving our threads in spirit space. Hmm. And again, the name of that piece, Louise? From Manhattan to Samoa in the blink of an eye. And just written in September 2023. Correct. Beautiful. Louise Romain, thank you uh, so much for taking time out as you sit there in your place in Stroud in the southwest of England to talk with us here on Troubadours and Rock On Tours. It was a joy. It was beautiful for me to talk with you. It lifted up my day a bit. Thank you so much. Oh, pleasure shared. Yeah, thank you so much for the opportunity. We'll be talking with you again. Talk soon. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Yeah.
Pretty Fred, an ode to Fred and to all like her. He's lying through the window with his wife in bed, like a good husband. Instead, I am standing in the backyard, talking to the fire pit. Last night was weird, like my gray-white beard. And now I sit at my desk, basking in the early February sunlight, wondering about your forgiveness and mine, too.
And there you have it, episode 561 of Troubadours and Tours with yours truly, E.W. Conundrum Demure. I'd like to thank those folks who made this episode possible. First and foremost, our new friend, Louise Romaine. And these musical artists, Thelonious Monk, Lescope, A Tribe Called Quest, Grace Potter, Branford Marsalis, and Terence Blanchard, too. And of course, I would like to thank you for listening. Until next time, let's give it a go and do our best with this time. Take care of yourself.